0: Hello, and welcome back to All Rings Considered. Today we are on episode 41, and that is book 4, chapter 8. And the chapter title is The Stairs of Kirith Ungol. I actually really like this chapter a lot. Um, a quick summary. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a it's classic.
1: Great. Yeah,
0: Uh quick summary. Um, so uh, Frodo, Sam, and Gollum are leaving the crossroads and going further on into their journey down the road. And they come upon the city of the ringwraiths which is across from them across this valley they proceed towards it and Frodo is drawn to the city drawn to this bridge that leads to the city and he's grabbed by sam and Gollum, and they go uh instead to a hidden stairway or a hidden path and they climb and they climb when there is an event there is this thunderous noise a flash of red light uh In the sky, there is uh blue lightning that comes from the the city of the ring wraiths uh and an army marches forth uh out of that city and uh then the uh our three companions they climb and climb some more um and they reach the last spot that they will be in before they go towards the tunnel that Gollum has been talking about and that's about it yeah. um... I i'll I'll will leave the details for. For a podcast such as this one,
1: it's a chapter I think that is a classic more because of the conversations that happen in it. And really, just kind of one conversation which Sam and Frodo have about the nature of stories. But it does have, just before we get into that, which I think is a, a big thing, there's some nice classic Tolkien descriptions and imagery here that I think is really powerful. I love the description of Minas Morgul as a city when it talks about how it has like a, it's lit, it has like light to it, right? But it's not a pleasant light. It says it's paler indeed than the moon ailing in some slow eclipse, wavering and blowing like a noisome exhalation of decay, a corpse light, a light that illuminated nothing. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I wrote that down too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different take. All of Mordor is characterized by its oppressive darkness. And this is the one place where there's some kind of light. Uh well not the one uh, well there's Mount Doom of course. So okay. So you have two places with light. You have Mount Doom and you'll have this. But in in neither case is it at all pleasant, right? It's this dark kind of light and it's just really cool. Yeah. And that's a that's a great writing by the way. the noisome exhalation of decay. That's incredible. I love that's, that.
0: I've written down here pros, pros, pros. Um for all yeah. the complaining that people have about Tolkien's prose. Um, yeah. uh, this chapter is incredible. The beginning of the chapter in particular is so much different from the second half, um, that it just shows this like breadth of ability. Um, in the beginning you're having this setting that's dreamlike and evil, and you get this this torpor that you that you know, Frodo is described as being uh, as feeling in the grammar itself there's just some uh it's a little bit different uh, the writing mm-hmm. and you really feel it um i love i love the uh the description, just like that you gave um I like that it's a, a city on a hill is how it's described uh city on yeah. a hill is a is a theme uh made famous by um j f k and uh jesus and uh, <laughs> 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 uh, ever heard of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but this is a twisted uh nightmare version um the yeah. the, the flowers out uh, in front of the city are 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 they described as um luminous these were too beautiful and yet horrible of shape like the demented forms in an uneasy dream yeah and it's it's just great this twisted uh like nightmare of a place
1: yeah um i love the image too of the the witch king is at the head of this army of the cavalry specifically and it's just it's the return of the writers in a way that and it's sort of the immediate way we haven't seen because we've seen them fly over the characters a couple times but they couldn't see them very directly but here we have Frodo looking directly at him so they're they're back from all the way from book one um in a pretty big way so that was cool yeah I don't know that's all I had to say about Minas Morgul specifically uh I think to me then the other thing I want to talk about before I talk about Sam's and Frodo's conversation is Gollum in this chapter gets a lot of interesting moments. Right. Uh, he gets a nice funny one that they put in the Peter Jackson movies really well where Sam accuses him of sneaking and he gets all indignant about it and then they finally ask, fine, what were you doing? Sneaking. And it's a nice moment. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think the real moment with him is when he has that like this brief moment where he's really struggling inside where he seems to almost like like Frodo and want to just have this like connection with him and this human connection and it's it's a, it's a cool little moment it's it's um it's actually you, you know when I remembered it I remembered it being stranger than when I read it this time I remember it reading as kind of awkward but when I read it this time I didn't think it was too awkward at all so just to read that what it says here is that uh golem looked at them and them referring to the hobbits and they're asleep right now Uh, a strange expression passed over his lean hungry face the gleam faded from his eyes and they went dim and gray old and tired a spasm of pain seemed to twist him and he turned away peering back up towards the pass shaking his head as if engaged in some interior debate then he came back and slowly putting out a trembling hand very cautiously he touched frodo's knee but almost the touch was a caress. For a fleeting moment, could one of the sleepers have seen him? They would have thought that they beheld an old, weary hobbit, shrunken by the years that had carried him far beyond his time, beyond friends and kin, in the fields and streams of youth, an old, starved, pitiable thing. And that's a great moment. That it's, it's a great moment that Frodo and Sam don't see him in that state. Right. We it's it's for us, the readers, to understand that pity. But it makes me really respect. People like Frodo who can still pity him even without seeing that part of him. but it also just reminds us that Gollum doesn't quite fit into like any kind of good evil dichotomy. He's something to be pitied. he's look at what he said to endure. He, he's as it says he's shrunken by the years, the years that had carried him far beyond his time and beyond his friends and kin. like this guy's tortured with this extremely long life that he shouldn't have had to have i really that's like what really you said there
0: about uh about the importance of sam and Frodo not knowing not seeing this moment um yeah. because i think that's also just a i mean i don't want to moralize everything uh but it's something you can take as oh uh you don't see everything and so you have this moment where sam believes that he is you know sneaking right and it's mm-hmm. it's. um on on the, right at the end of you know one of the most touching Gollum moments in the book yeah and so it's just a, a reminder of how ignorant we can be
1: mm-hmm. all right well i mean on that note then let's talk about this conversation the, between the meta part sam and frodo yeah we get really meta which uh the novel as a whole has been teasing before you know when i got to this conversation i thought back right away to the beginning of book three and you and I have talked about books three and four. How do they work together, and how are they talking to each other? In some ways, we pointed out at the beginning of book four the sort of in they were running parallel, but in twisted ways, right? So they both started with like three characters, and just three characters, you know, walking through different kinds of land. One was walking through the plains of Rohan, and one was walking through the dead marshes. And there's all kinds of different twisted parallels you can get there. I like though that beginning of book three. Aragorn and Aomer had this exchange, if you can remember way back. I think it's Book 3, Chapter 2. Uh, Aragorn and Aomer talk about how, uh, well, Aomer is questioning, you know, does, do we walk in myths or do we walk in, like, the broad daylight, right? The, the, you know, average world. I think his phrase is the green earth. Do we walk in myths or on the green earth? And Aragorn says, we can do both. We're in both. And that moment comes back here toward the end of Book Four, but more drawn out now like Frodo and Sam are going to talk about this in sort of more Hobbit down to earth language and it's a great exchange as they Sam sorts Sam and Frodo talk about how they're in a story they are in a tale as they call it and well so you have this this one line I, I think really stands out in the whole exchange is Sam saying still I wonder if we shall ever be put into songs and tales we're in one of course but I mean, put into words, you know, told by the fireside or read out of a great big book, uh, et cetera. Et cetera. I, I love that little bit where he says, we, we're we in one, of course. Like, Sam has no doubt they're in a tale. And he has no problem seeing that around him. So whereas Aomer hadn't seen that, he like, had to be kind of reminded or taught that by Herogorn. Mm-hmm. Sam does see it. He does see that as very natural. So his concern is more, oh, are we going to be in the kind that gets told later? Like how, what is our part in this, in our tale? And he's worried it's going to be, there's not going to be writing because their part is going to be, well, you are, you fail and you die and are forgotten and that's it. And it's, <laughs> which is dark and scary, but I love that he is finding hope in what's going on with him through this way of looking at things. And I do think this is a big message of the book itself. That you, we all, like human lives are a story, and we're in it.
0: Yeah, and I, I love out of this the, um, the part where Sam is making a recognition of the, uh, the light from that he that uh, Frodo received in a vial from Gladrio. Um, yeah, and he says he starts thinking about um, old elvish tales, and he says, "Why to think of it? We're in the same tale still. It's going yeah. on." Don't the great tales ever end, and I love that sense like that sort of contrast of the- like they are near the end of their their particular journey right and but this sense of both a eternalness and an ending all kind of wrapped up in one this chapter like I think wraps together contradictions very well like you get you get sort of like a i guess on on the contradiction theme, you get both this sort of slow drudgery of, in the beginning and then there's this excitement of an army and then you have the idea of something ending and also something that will never end. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... And of course yeah. we
1: talked last episode that this idea of what ends and what doesn't end is something the whole book is building toward and it's going to pay off right. later. But I, I think part of the payoff is here as well, which is that, well, the story we're all in doesn't end. Right. But yeah, and, and I I just, I really do like that connection of, of that Sam and Frodo make of that they're part of the same story that has always been and always will be it's a nice contrast to their environment (laughs) and situation um one other thing i like that it does here is the lord of the rings is a book it gets forgotten that it is um right i think one of the forgotten themes about it is that a lot of it is a commentary on the hobbit if you go back in our podcast episodes this is something i think we talk about like book one, chapter two, you got to go way back for this. But it's cropping up again here. And that's this idea that Lord of the Rings is commenting on The Hobbit as a book and saying that The Hobbit represents this sort of children's worldview. And it's not necessarily like judging that, I don't think. It just is like The Hobbit represents a child's view on things. And The Lord of the Rings has to sort of tackle a more adult <laughs> version of things, just the kinds of things an adult's going to have to go through. And that sort of commentary, I think, is happening here. Maybe not commentary, almost like a. Like a. Mm, I guess a commentary is the word. It's as if Lord of the Rings is saying, Yeah, you remember The Hobbit, right? Well, let's talk about that. <laughs> um, and let's talk about
0: where. While we have some time.
1: <laughs> while we have some time. Uh, let's talk about where that isn't the whole story. And you get a little moment like that here, where Sam points out that. Um, Sam points out that there are all these kinds of stories that end with a, a kind of good end. And he says, you know, coming home and finding things all right, though not quite the same, like old Mr. Bilbo. But those aren't always the best tales to hear, so they may be the best tales to get landed in. I wonder what sort of a tale we've fallen into. And this this question of have we fallen into that kind of tale, the answer is no, uh, they have not. The Lord of the Rings will not end that way. They do not get to go back and things are just basically the same with like slight differences or like, oh, the characters have just grown up and now they get to go back home. It's going to end a little differently. (laughs) And I I like that explicit calling out. I love that the characters always can refer back to Bilbo's story in the same way that you, the reader, can refer back to Bilbo's story and make those comparisons and recognize, okay, this this is different.
0: Something before we get to... Sort of the end of the chapter, um, that I wanted Mm -hmm. to bring up is there's this in this chapter there's this interesting sort of uh, statement and response um, back and forth between we'll hear the the forces of good and evil Um, but it kind of it's kind of um, in an interesting way Um, there is uh, you get the presence of the ring being heavier here kind of like it's really becoming palpable and physical Um, and some things that I've noticed are. Frodo goes, he's being drawn to the bridge, he's being drawn to the city, and the response is he is pulled away by Sam and by Gollum. And you have this um, action of despair, right? So Frodo here is, this is almost the most despairing uh, set of sentences in the book to me. Frodo says, and who can hold the fords when the king of the nine riders comes? And other armies will come. I am too late. All is lost. I tarried on the way. All is lost. Even if my errand is performed, no one will ever know. There will be no one I can tell. It will be in vain. Overcome by weakness, he wept, and still the host of Morgul crossed the bridge. Um, and that's dark. Mm. Um, but then yeah. the response is uh, uh, Sam grabs him, and he says, Frodo, uh, uh, wake up, Mr. Frodo. And Frodo's in his description of his memory of the Shire and what it would be like to have a day at the Shire with the sun and breakfast, and then you have—I uh, mentioned the ring. You have this um, uh, action of the ring um, commanding Frodo to place his hand and and put on the ring, and he's uh, he has this response from the uh, vial that he got from Galadriel. and then sort of like through all this despair and seeing the you know the the great army pass through uh, the valley, um, there's this really great line where Frodo and Sam are having a conversation and Sam says something funny and Frodo laughs. And it said, uh, and he laughed, a long clear laugh from his heart. Such sound had not been heard in those places since Sauron came to Middle-earth. And so you have this great, you know, um, Sauron dominates the land from Middle-earth for, you know, years and years and years and brings evil and scars the world. Um, And yet the response is that Frodo and Sam are here and Frodo laughs and his laughter is something that is a is response, right, uh, yeah. to that.
1: And it, it's one of those things that is what's important in life. It seems that what they have here, we have a, a few things that are should be your response to the darkness, so to speak, in this case, the literal darkness, but also the metaphorical one. One of those is recognizing your part in the story, that you're in it, is you're, you are in the story. Another one is, Laughter. In the third one, I think close related to the laughter is this idea of friendship with each other. And it's this great moment of friendship, the one you're the the section you're in with that line about laughter. That's when Sam does this whole like you know, I wonder if a child will sit around and say, Let's hear about Frodo, the most famous of hobbits and Frodo says, But well, you left out one of the chief characters. Sam the this stout hearted. I want to hear more about Sam. Yeah, Frodo wouldn't have got far without Sam, would he, Dad? And Sam says, Now Mr. Frodo, you shouldn't make fun. I was serious. So was I," said Frodo, "and so I am. Nice little bonding moment, going there with the laughter, and so there are your three things, I think. Yeah, uh, the stories, recognize the story, laughter, friendship, and I guess to add on to the story thing too, it's not just that you're in the story, but recognize that you're part of something bigger, like some kind of story that's not ending. That there is there is something be outside of you that's not ending.
0: So, so speaking of endings. Agree mm. close. Uh to ending Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Charlie, did you have a favorite line in the chapter?
1: Well, I actually just read it. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I could read it again. That'd be silly. Go back, rewind your episode. Just listen to me say the whole Now, Mr. Frodo, you shouldn't make fun. I was serious. So was I, said Frodo, and so I am. There's my favorite line.
0: It's good. It's a good line. It is. Um. Let's see. For me, uh, my favorite line comes when you have this, um, uh, this event—the red light in the sky and the uh, thunder in the ground. So when this happens, then with a searing suddenness, there came a great red flash far beyond the eastern mountains. It leapt into the sky and splashed the lowering clouds with crimson. In that valley of shadow and cold, deathly light, it seemed unbearably, unbearably violent and fierce. Peaks of stone and ridges like the peaks of stone and ridges like notched knives sprang out staring black against the uprushing flame in Gorgoth. And I just I think that's just such a great image. Uh ridges of uh, just the violence of the location. So just the mountains yeah. themselves you know, uh are hidden knives that only are revealed, you know, through this great red light that's um uh, yeah it's just a great way to characterize that
1: all right um on that note let's do a few sections of or a few tweets of shit said about tolkien because it's been a while and i have found some more wonderful critiques of tolkien uh because you know i mean what we're seeing on this podcast is a bunch of bull right these people they they have their finger on the pulse they understand exactly what's going on here and
0: there are two great books, The Hobbit and Oh, The Places You Will Go. Uh, anything over yes. that is kind of just wordy for, you know, no reason. Yeah,
1: it's too, exactly. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we have here, so we have here, um, the reality is that Lord of the Rings wouldn't even be published today. It's extremely slow. There is like five plot points total. It, like, there's multiple parts <laughs> to this, so Lord of the <laughs> Rings wouldn't be published today. Maybe, I don't, I doubt, given how popular fantasy is, I actually think it would have stood a better chance of being published today but okay um it's extremely slow i get I, I mean that's all kind of subjective i'm not really sure like why you know is that a problem like why should things not be slow is there something wrong with things being slow i'm not saying everything should be slow but that's strange to me but okay all right but this last part there there is like five plot points total those were his exact words um what five <laughs> plot
0: i'm really not even sure what you, he's talking about
1: how do you look at a book this big and say like oh only five things happen in it like what are you talking about did you read a chapter and I think I love that because it goes against I think the usual critique of this book is that it's too dense this guy's problem is that it's too not dense there's there's <laughs> only like five things happening in it I think I, I'm not sure if that's what he's saying that's just my let's
0: call him out what are the five things um thing. let's Tom see Tom Bombadil is definitely the Tom first Bombadil, one Bombadil. that's definitely uh, like the
1: most important
0: I think when uh Legolas shoots the the uh, Ring Wraith.
1: Yep, that was a good one. God, maybe there's maybe there's yet.
0: fewer than five. I
1: don't know. We I haven't maybe... gotten to this point yet, but once once we're going to that really important point in book five where they ride through with like the Mountain Men people. Oh
0: yeah,
1: yeah, that's so three. Super three. This guy's really generous, <laughs> so right, Actually, three. <laughs> <laughs> Um. All right. What else we got? All right. Um. We have, LOTR is good in all. But it feels like huge sections are the book are just some variant on, quote, hobbits are walking through the woods, end quote, or, quote, elves singing, end quote. I disagree with this because I think huge sections are hobbits walking through rocks and (laughs) swamps. Did he even read this book? (laughs) He didn't even read this book. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I I, I like that. It feels like huge sections of the books are just them walking through the woods. Just like, hey, I'm reading Ulysses by James Joyce, and I just feel like huge sections on it of it are just him walking through Dublin. And like, <laughs> you could say that, like that's you could say you're not and inaccurate. Or, or else, singing. Or that. those just, two, you know. <laughs> or,
0: <laughs>
1: people always forget about that part, which is weird. Um, you could say it, like it's not inaccurate. I just like, is that a critique? Is that a problem? Like, why does that matter? Um, it's okay. Here's a famous, I forget who said this, but here's my, this is my last one for tonight. But here, this is actually a famous author said this one and I are relatively famous, but I, I forget who it is. I'd have to Google it later and I don't want to do that right now because I'm lazy. Um, this guy had written that it is Winnie the Pooh posing as an epic.
0: <laughs> so I, <laughs> that's actually really great. Which character would Winnie the Pooh be in The Lord of the Rings?
1: Yeah. I I think you he know, would be,
0: Winnie the Pooh would be, would have to be Frodo, right? And, and then Piglet is Sam.
1: And Sam is Piglet. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Gandalf is Rabbit.
0: Yes. <laughs> Golem <Wow>. is Tigger. <laughs> Wait a minute, this guy has a point. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but is that, I mean, sure, but is that a critique? I like Winnie the Pooh. Like... <laughs>
1: it's one of my other it's okay it's the hobbit oh the places you'll go and one of the winnie the pooh books actually what's the first winnie the pooh book called it was a book right before it became
0: a song of fire and ice
1: oh yeah game of thrones (laughs) um wait what i love about these critiques is that the lord of the rings always you must fall into one of two camps either the lord of the Rings is infantile or if you're one of the people who's like, well I love the Hobbit though, it's not infantile enough. Like it it can't seem to apparently find this balance of Yeah exactly It's it can't just be in the middle there. Um yeah, yeah I'm well, gonna keep thinking about this Winnie the Pooh thing. Um <laughs> please folks submit <laughs> please just... to us. <laughs> please tell us which Winnie the Pooh characters, which Rings <laughs> character, send that in um as well as any other questions you have to a r c l o t r at com, or actually set up a facebook page for us now so find us on facebook as well and send us a message that way yeah what do we got next uh 42 episode 42 uh yes. she lobs lair it's gonna be great
0: uh, yeah and we're getting pretty close to the end of book four penultimate chapter of book four next I
1: remember this chapter of winnie the pooh
0: <laughs> yeah with the uh with it World eating spider (laughs) wraps up with two people, a piglet and a digger.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so we'll see you
0: all then.